We're not searching for anything except people. We don't need other worlds. We need mirrors. We don't know what to do with other worlds. One world is enough. Even there we feel stifled. We desire to find our own idealized image. They're supposed to be globes, civilizations more perfect than ours. In other worlds, we expect to find the image of our own primitive past. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Lit to Lens podcast. I'm your host, Will, and I'm with my ex-neighbor, my ex-roommate, but current Gap model, Eric. Eric, how are you? I'm good. I'm trying to fit into those chinos that got me in tomorrow. I saw those photos. It was pretty good. Yeah. Are they going to put them up on the Gap and Titans yet? Or? I hope so. They should. I, I don't really usually get big markets like that. They put me in like oh. Topeka. And, uh... <laughs> you got to start out small. Yeah, you do. The flyover states. Grow your network. Real America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's good. Right. It's a it's a it's a grassroots sort of thing. Yeah, and they you know with your red hair, I figured that would that would kill there. Yeah, Topeka. It's is a rare commodity. Huge in Topeka. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> so, uh, Lit to Lens, as we all know, is a podcast where we discuss a book and its movie adaptation, and we are a safe place for folks who like the book better than the movie. We're here for you. Just come find us. So. This is the second episode of Season 5 where we are discussing science fiction adaptations. In our previous episode, it was The Invisible Man. But in Episode 2, Eric, what are we talking about? Solaris. The planet where there are no laws when you're reading Stanislaus Lem, the author. I do not condone, condone that joke. I think it keeps getting better every time I've, I've told it to you <laughs> today. Um, Solaris was written by the aforementioned Stanislaw Lem in 1961. In Polish, it was translated to English in 1970, and it has been adapted for screen three times. Uh, once was a TV show, and today we're giving you a little double play of film adaptations. In 1972, it was adapted by Andrzej Tarkovsky into what some are saying is the best science fiction movie ever. That's what they say. Listeners will find out how we feel about that later. They will. And in 2002, it was adapted by Steven Soderbergh um, into a much shorter movie starring George Clooney. About an hour and some change shorter. Yes. Which was nice. Yeah. So, it was about four hours total of watching. A little more. A little more. A little yeah. more than that. And then how reading, was, like, reading was like yeah. 16 hours? Probably more, for me at least. Yeah. So, you guys are welcome. We're putting in all this work, and we're not getting paid, so... Well, since we read it, let me tell you a little bit about the book before we start discussing it, please, for those who haven't read it. Um, Chris Kelvin, a psychologist, is the main character, and he travels to the distant planet Solaris to meet a crew of other scientists and researchers who are stationed in space. Um, Solaris is an oceanic world, and humans have been studying it for decades, trying in vain to learn about the complexities of the planet, which include physical and psychological phenomena. Once on the station... Chris begins to see and understand how the planet affects those in its proximity, which includes revealing hidden aspects of each scientist's personality. For Chris, this means the planet resurrects his dead wife. In the end, Chris travels to the planet's surface in a last-ditch attempt to communicate with whatever intelligence exists on the planet Solaris. Does he succeed? Does he fail? Spend 16 hours of your life reading this book to find out. <laughs> we will let you know, though. Yes. For the TLDR version. But thank you for that synopsis. It sounds like an interesting story, Eric. Yeah. 
glad we both read it. I'm glad we did. I'm glad <laughs> it's over. <laughs> but before we get started on the rundown, let me tell you about a little game I have called Two Truths and One Lie. Eric, do you know the rules? I know the rules. Are you ready no talking that? until you're done reading. Yes, please. Thank you. I'm sorry, we'll tell you the answer. I'm an active listener. So. <laughs> Are you ready? Pippi. Number one. Philip K. Dick once wrote a letter to the FBI stating that Stanislaw Lem, the author of the novel, was likely a false name used by a composite committee operating on orders of a communist party to gain control over public opinion. That's number one. Number one. Number two, Andrei Tarkovsky said of Stanley Kubrick's, excuse me, Stanley Kubrick's film 2001 A Space Odyssey that it was, quote, phony on many points and, quote, a lifeless schema with only pretensions to truth. Pretty heavy. Number two. Very heavy. Number three. Steven Soderbergh originally wanted Nicolas Cage cast as Chris Kelvin but was declined as he was busy filming uh, the film Adaptation where he could where he would eventually receive an Academy Award nomination for Best Actor. Eric. Floor, you, the floor is mine. The floor is yours. What Let's you give think? a I'm gonna give a pause to let our listeners guess. And now the pause is over. And they probably have guessed the same thing I'm gonna guess. But I'm gonna go one by one, just real briefly. Okay. Well, I, I don't need to go Please. one. I don't, no, go you know one. What? I don't need to go one by one. <laughs> um As I've said to you many times, Will, Nick Cage needs to be stopped. And he needs to be put into a closed room where he can't make movies just for, like, two weeks. He just needs, a little break. Eric, he needs to work. How can you tell a working man to stop working? How can you do that? He, he needs a cleanse. Just like a, you know, like a no TV, no movie, no acting. Just read books. Just, like, talk to your family. If, have normal conversations over a plate of, like, chicken, potatoes. He can't. He's too big. Green beans. That's the lie. No Nick Cage. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Steven Soderbergh even knows who Nick Cage is. He doesn't watch bad movies. Adaptation, he was nominated for an Academy Award. I don't mean it's good. <laughs> that's a fair point. So that's my guess. That's your guess. You are correct. That is the lie. So what's the, what's the truth to that? Is there like somebody... Yeah, so um, he actually originally thought he was going to get Daniel Day-Lewis. But he was filming... Um, Gangs of New York, who was also nominated the same year as Nicolas Cage in 2003. That's a weird choice. For this one? Yeah. I don't I don't feel that at all. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like I, Steven Soderbergh wouldn't have really gotten him, right? Yeah. I mean, he did a Scorsese film in 02. Yeah. Soderbergh wasn't really, I mean, I guess he just done Ocean's Eleven, so he was probably, maybe well, not peak Soderbergh, but like. Up and coming Soderbergh. Yeah. Well, so he, he had already done traffic. He probably had just oh, done traffic and Aaron Brockovich. Right. You were right. So he was probably too far gaining some steam. Yeah. So that was probably his eight, his one A. I don't like Daniel Day Lewis for this. Oh really? So okay. I don't need texts or calls explaining. Do you like Nicolas Cage for this? I don't like. No. <laughs> I think this person needs to be uh, like. I don't know how to say this. That's not like mean. Just but, say like, it, baby. Like good with. Ladies? Oh, fair. Like, he needs to be somebody that ladies would want to be in a relationship with. Yeah, fair. I mean... Have a conversation. No, I mean, you're not wrong, because these movies are, like, very sexy. Yeah. It was basically a love story. It it had a lot of love aspects to it, so I could see what you're saying. Yeah. And Daniel Daniel Day-Lewis doesn't strike me as a, oh my gosh, he's so handsome type. Yeah, he's not like a rom... Not that this is a rom-com, but, like, there's no... 
He's not romantic, yeah. and neither is Nick Cage. You gotta draw the female audience. So that's why I poked a hole in your game. Well, that was smart. But we will we will take a minute to just admire how outrageous these other two facts are. Philip K. Dick had apparently had mental issues, so he literally wrote a letter to the FBI saying that he was not a real person and that he was a fit. It was a committee that formed this name and wrote this book for like propaganda. It's kind of like the Shakespeare. It's amazing. Uh, the Shakespeare stuff where you, people don't think Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare's. Is books. that a real thing? Yeah, it's not true. There's Shakespeare. People think that yeah. he's not a real person. Yeah. We'll get to that when we do a Shakespeare season. But... Yeah. Yeah. See. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hold on to that one. What's the next? Uh, <laughs> the next truth. Um, so Tarkovsky apparently hated 2001 A Space Odyssey and quote said it was phony on many points and a lifeless schema with only pretensions to truth now that is like such an outrageous outrageously mean thing to say about somebody's film right another auteur but it's considered to be like if not the best like one of the greatest science fiction films of all time Maybe he's like there's a hint of jealousy that his film like got more um, like praise praise in his film. Yeah, it's like a get off my lawn thing. We both yeah. made these weird wacky space movies. I don't know when two thousand one was made. It must have been after nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, so it was made before. So he's just trying to give the newspaper something to write about. Yeah, well, it worked. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's an outrageous quote that I love. That. I think is maybe my favorite thing about this podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even started yet. But um, but thank you, Eric. You won. Uh, I believe you lost uh, in the last iteration. That doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound I'm pretty good. sure. I'm pretty sure you lost. But we'll you know we'll keep count. So we'll say it's one and one. So you did well. We'll we'll make sure. Fifty percent. Yeah, that's not bad. That's, that's an half. That's, that's, that's an half. <laughs> we're getting better. But um, we're gonna go to a quick commercial break, um, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Thank you for that little commercial there from our sponsor. But as we're going to get started here, Eric, you've been given the assignment of adapting the book Solaris by Sanus Alem. How do you go about it? Well, first I, I asked Philip K. Dick if it's okay. He's going to say no. He's going to say, who is Stanis Alem? <laughs> who are they? Who are they? Eric, they. Um, you didn't bring your copy like you usually do to this recording, Will, which is too bad because I was going to take it and very dramatically... <laughs> Just rip the book in half oh my and God. throw away half the book because that's how I roll. I'm glad I didn't bring it. I think reading this book and adapting it, you throw away all of the, uh, what do they call it, like solaristics or the... Solaristics, yeah. Solaristics. You throw all that away. Yeah. I, there's just not enough time and enough interest in like the history of scientists studying the planet yeah. to make it in the movie. Yeah. It's it was just heavy. It's like it's it's so much and it's so unrelated to Mundane. the like a plot of the book that is just that's where I start. Hundred percent agree. And the book's not that long; it's like two hundred twenty pages. Mm-hmm. So now I only got one hundred ten pages to adapt. Yeah, seriously, I made my life. That was about half the book, wasn't it? It was a large portion. It was interesting. It was kind of like Invisible Man. Like there was a yeah. lot of science, and this was like right in the middle. This was like kind of science, but it was more like history. Yeah, yeah, history Historical of life. scientists. He was, he was basically reading, it was like study. Yeah, he was basically reading historical artifacts of people that had been there before him. Yeah. Like what they'd found, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, it was, 
I got interesting for a book, but yeah. for a movie, I, I, I throw that all out. Okay. Um, I think as a, if I'm a screenwriter, I want to explore the planet. Okay. Um, we talked about in the rehab that he goes to Solaris at the end of the book to like yes. see what's going on and like touches the, it's like jelly ocean yeah. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I would I would try to like show more of the planet. Mm-hmm. I get that this first movie is from 1972 and the other one is from 02 and that's pretty early CGI even for the Soderbergh mm-hmm. version. I would want to I would want to show more of the planet. Like him be on the planet interacting with whatever is that's on it. Yeah, or just like see it work. Like I, I think I gotcha. in uh, the O2 version, they show it a couple times, and it like glows blue, glows red, yeah. and it has like little lines that like crisscross yeah. through it, whatever. Mm-hmm. I would want to see more of like the stuff that the author talks about. Okay, like the little nodes that flare yes. out and do whatever. I would explore that, and then okay. I think I would start with Chris and Harry, and that would be my a plot. Like I, I think the relationship mm-hmm. to me is the most adaptable part of this. Yeah, probably. Um, in the book, like like half the book is about the history of the planet. I think that's where the author wants to go. I think if you're making a movie out of this, you are you have to start with their relationship. Yeah. I think it is a relationship movie. You think so? Yeah. Or a relationship story? Relationship story. Okay. Well, I think movie. The story is not really... Like, the relationship yeah. in the book is not huge, but I think yeah. for it to work, it, like, needs be there yeah i mean yeah in the book he basically didn't really talk that much about her he basically mentioned things about her from chris's you know past his mind from his perspective yeah but it's so important because the climax climax the the climax um (laughs) is like him being so crazy about her that he like can't leave right and so she has to sedate him and I, I think, like, mm. if you're going to, if that's going to be the scene, then you need to build up that he would be so crazy. Build up the love crazy. story, build up the like, Yeah, so I need to see the past. Gotcha, okay. I need to see how, like, the relationship builds. I need to understand that, like, when she comes back as a, you know, G-formation right. that is brought on by the planet itself, like, digging into his subconscious. Yeah. I need to know that, like, that's a real relationship. Yeah, That, fair. like, they loved each other at some point, and having her back is, like, a real emotional yeah, a trigger. kick in the ball. So would you start out the film with that story or would you have like a flashback like how kind of how they did him um i would flashback okay yeah 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 it's interesting we'll, we'll talk in the next section about like the earth oh yes. parts of the movie mm-hmm. because the book no part of the book takes place on earth mm-hmm. um and i think that does something for the like movie story but for me i, I would be fine with just like having the present day be all on the space station mm-hmm. and We'll flash back, flash back to, to like the history of the. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so what's translatable, what's not, and what has to make it into the film? So I, I think we just meant like solaristics, not translatable. Right. I, we just can't have like him going through the library and reading right. shit. <laughs> I think the nineteen seventy two movie does a good job of at the very beginning he watches like a clip of a past expedition. Yeah. And the guy like who was in the past expedition like recounts his journey to a bunch of Soviet, I mean, not, they're not Soviets, whatever they are, like yeah. a Russian board of governors to say, yeah. this is what I saw, here's how the... Russian officials. Yeah. Um, so I think that was an effective way mm-hmm. to like show us a little information without being like, here's all these books, here's all these like theories that we have. Yeah. 
Um, I think that what has to make it in the movie, I, I think you can't have this movie without a conflict of past and present and ignorance and knowledge. I think okay. those are the two lines of this book that are like most resonant mm-hmm. and like have to exist for it to be Solaris. Right. Like what happened in the past? How does that influence today? And what do I know about the world and like outer, like all other systems or Solaris? What I know about like life on other planets. I see. Versus like what's unknowable. What I, what can I never know? Okay. Based on my limitations as a human being. Give more context as to like what other planets are researching or like, is that what you mean? I mean, like, um, there are, I think in the book, a big part of it is like making contact with whatever intelligence exists on the planet mm-hmm. or the planet is just sort of like its own brain. Right. Right. Um, and can you do that? Is it possible as a human to make contact with like a, a being that's either beyond you or mm-hmm. different than you? Right. So, I, and I think in the book, the big question is like, why can't I do this? Right. So I think for it to be a Solaris, I think you got to keep that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think one of the things that the author, Sansal Lamb, mentioned was that the story was basically meant to describe how um, how humans are incapable of um, communicating with a higher intelligence. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we can basically deal with our own emotions – um, we're just not at a, at a level of intelligence to basically communicate with something that's totally different than what we would ever expect and what we've ever communicated with before. Um, so yeah, you would definitely have to have that, I think. That would be kind of the crux of the whole yeah. theme of the movie, I guess, or or something like that. Yeah. And it's hard. I think that's it's a hard thing to rationalize as a person. Like, there is a giant planet, and mm-hmm. I just want to figure out like what's going on. Right. Or it's you walking your dog, and you're just like, man, what is he thinking? Like, <laughs> right. it, it's a, at a different scale, but it's just yeah. like something that's totally unknowable yeah. that can be frustrating. Right. Like, why'd you have to like bite that squirrel? Or like, right. why'd you have to do that? Like, yeah. why'd you have to create these formations that are based on my subconscious that really fuck me up emotionally? Why'd you have to do that, Solaris? I have an answer for you. It's because we're in a simulation. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any other notes on the? That you have to have or anything that you would adapt to it no I, the only other thing i would say is what i liked about the book and what from some of my reading on the book there is a very like purposeful lack of technology mm-hmm. and like there's specific technology like we don't go into details on like how to get to the space station how they got right. home like how they found this planet all that i i kind of like that it sort of makes it timeless and easily adaptable mm-hmm. in 1972 or 2002 there's not like a weird device that we've already invented and that's true. blew past. Yeah, that is true. So I, I keep that. The lack of yeah, technology. Yeah, I, I think the focus is elsewhere, right? Yeah. Like it's it's on this like psychological pain that mm-hmm. the main couple, right, have, and that's like runs parallel to humans being unable to communicate with a planet. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you'd also have. Uh, like an attractive male lead and female lead, obviously. That's a movie. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, you have to. Everyone's going to be good looking. Yeah. You can't have Nick Cage or anybody like that. No. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I, I think you need somebody that can have like relationships. Yeah. 
Do you, you don't think Nick Cage can have a relationship? Have you seen Nick Cage have a relationship? He won an In Oscar. Films. He won an Oscar for playing a guy who hated his ex-wife so much that he just like got, he just was drinking himself to death. That was the plot of yeah. leaving Las Vegas. Do you think he actually acted, or he was just being himself? I think he's probably just being himself. Yeah, it's the '80s, man. <laughs> it's the '80s, baby. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I think that's. I think that would be good. I would watch it. I'd watch your adaptation. We're gonna go into our next game called Guess the Review. Eric, are you ready? All right, hit me. So, <clears throat> wait. So, what are the rules of this? So, I'm gonna say a quote, and. Um, you're going to have to guess which one it is. So this is actually harder than the last time. It's the book, the new movie, or the old movie. Okay. Here we go. Quote, I know there are intelligent people who are awed by, the, by this sort of deep dish magical mystery tour, but surely something is wrong with a movie when you can't tell a live character from a dead one and you don't care which is which. I know this. You know this? Yeah. Well, number one, I know it's a movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and then... Some of the clues in there tell me that this is the O2 version of the... What, what were some of the clues? Um, when you can't tell a dead character is a live one. Fair enough. Damn it. I thought that'd be harder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. But yeah, don't tell me if I'm right or not. We'll, we'll grade afterwards. Okay. Uh, number two, quote, Yeah, uh, I don't know. This was pretty boring, and I'm not sure I entirely understood what, I, what was going on. Okay, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Quote, this movie... Okay. <laughs> I was thinking this, the other one was going to be the movie, so... Oh, okay. That's bad. Good. Quote, this movie, at times pretentious, is inauthentic cinema. And then I have another one for you. Is Just that... Uh, is that... Um, what's his face? The guy from... Is that Kubrick? Being like, this movie, this movie trash. <laughs> it should be. Uh, last one is... Quote, how do you spell self-indulgent? Wow. So we'll, we'll go with the first one. You were right. So the first one was the O2 movie. O2. Second one was like a little, this was weird. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This was pretty boring, and I'm not entirely sure I understood what was going on. I, I, I think it's got to be a Goodreads review, like a one-star Amazon or Goodreads. It was two stars, and her name is Kayla Dawn. That's what I thought. Nice. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then the third one. This movie, at times pretentious, is inauthentic cinema. So I'm assuming this is 1972, but it might not be. Cause There's another one. I think it's pretty authentic cinema. It's in theaters, right? That's cinema. True. What's inauthentic about that? I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> uh, so I'll say that's 72. And what was the last one again? How do you spell self-indulgent? S-O-D-E-B-E-R-G-H. I'll say O2 for that. Uh, you are absolutely correct in all four. Yes. Four of four. That's pretty good. So Steve Rhodes said, how do you spell self-indulgent internet review? Burn. Um, and then, uh, the long quote at the beginning, uh, was David Denby of the New Yorker. Oh, sure. And then, uh, this movie at times pretentious is an authentic cinema is from Jesus Fernandez Santos of El Pai, which is from Spain. Okay. So. Thank you for playing. You you did well. Four four. What is that? What so is bring them back up? Self indulgent about remaking one of the best science fiction movies ever. I don't, I ask you that. Well, I have no idea. So there were. I was looking through the quotes. So there were a lot of like, oh my god, how self indulgent is this? This is so narcissistic. So I don't know like what all those people. There were a lot of bad reviews in the Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was sixty six. 
there were like 80 reviews that were bad something like that 60 reviews i wonder we'll have to put a pin in this but like is dune gonna have the same reviews because like isn't that david lynch movie from the 80s or whatever yeah like, it, it's like a it's considered classic maybe in some circles or like a well a cult movie maybe yeah it's better it's yeah more cult now it's like gained more of a following after all the backlash like more recently past 10 years or something like that so do you think remaking any movie is self-indulgent like i could do it better yeah in a, I sense, guess, uh, yeah, in, in a sense i guess it's a little bit narcissistic but you could just be like i just love this story so much i have to make it soderbergh's big like lem guy yeah i guess it is kind of like this is a considered a classic why would i remake this yeah why like, would i take that chance like if, if you're that remake good 2001 it's like space odyssey I guess it's it's Russian, so just because Jordan is the greatest of all time doesn't mean LeBron doesn't play. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't understand. That. <laughs> Write that down. Are you it's on the planet Solaris? It's messing with my brain. Are you real? <laughs> no, this is a simulation. I told you. You're right. Well, well, let's take a break. Yeah, we should probably take a break. And hear from our sponsors. All right. Welcome back. Thanks to our word from our sponsor. Joke time, Eric. We are here to tell some jokes. Yeah. Do you want to go first? I wrote a doozy for you here, Will. Oh, my God. I'm ready to laugh, so. All right. Well, knock, knock. Who's there? It's me, Harry, screaming from the other side of the door. It's me, Harry, screaming from the other side of the door. Who? Ah! Let me out, Chris! Ah! That's your joke? Yeah. I thought it was pretty <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I spent like hours I can't on believe this. What are we doing? I thought that was kind of good. <laughs> at least like perform it at a stand up nearby or something. Get some notes. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what we should do after this season ends is put out an episode that's just the jokes. Just the jokes. That'd yeah. be good. Or, or we should we should isolate the audio, put them on Instagram, have people vote. Oh my god, that would be a great idea. Write this down. All right, let me write this down. All right, all right. Ready for my joke? Yeah, hit me. What was one thing Clooney required in his contract to make this film? That he show his butt. Yeah. It's a good butt. I mean, it is a great butt. I did. I did read that the movie when it was first screened for like the MPAA got an R rating. Yes. Because of so much Clooney butt. Yeah. And then they fought it, and they got bumped down to PG thirteen. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was one cheek. It was half of a cheek. I mean, there's a lot. It of, was a side. There was a lot of Clooney cheeks. Yeah. Well, I, me, listen. a connoisseur of Clooney cheeks, <laughs> knows. I could tell you were a connoisseur. There were many Clooney cheeks. You're a gap model, so you, you're definitely a connoisseur of the of I was thinking, like, how does he fit into those, like, chinos or, you know. <laughs> He's got to squeeze it in. I, he, I mean, Clooney's not a jeans guy. You don't think so? Do you think Clooney's a jeans guy? Definitely not. He's like a khaki guy. Yeah. He probably never wears jeans. He's like a khaki or a suit, you know. McConaughey wears jeans. Yeah. Clooney wears fucking Dolce's. Fucking silk. He does wear silk. That's all he wears. Yeah. They look like chinos, but they're actually just silk inside. Yeah. He's got sensitive skin, is what I've heard. But um, anyways, what heard. enough. <laughs> enough. Of what we talking about? George Clooney's cheeks. Um, we're gonna get into the the feature segment. What people call. We don't really have a name for it yet. We should probably find one. That's true. Movie to book section. Yeah. So 
in the movie to book section, we're going to talk about what the film did well, what it did poorly, what we would have changed, what we liked, what we disliked. So, we watched both films. We did. Let's talk about the adaptation. We'll start with the 1972. Yeah. Where did the director slash writer start? On Earth. It's simple as that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, the book literally does not have any scenes on Earth. Yeah. Both movies have scenes on Earth. And 1972 version goes to great lengths to explain or show humanity on Earth. Like, here's Chris Kelvin walking about his Dasha, mm -hmm. you know, where his father lives. There's a pond. There's snow. There's fish. There's, like, weird algae in his... For those who don't know Dasha, it means summer home. Yeah. Right? Or second home. Yeah. Essentially. Um, so it starts there. It shows what, like, being human is all about, mm -hmm. I suppose. And then uh, they go into the house where he's met by an astronaut who shows him the deposition we were basically talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and so it just gives you like very quickly a bunch of information about the planet, like what is weird about it and mm -hmm. why when Chris Kelvin in the 1972 movie version goes up there, he might be finding. Yeah. It also gives you sort of his background, where he grew up, who his parents are, yeah. where he's from, and what he's all about. And like there's like a 15-minute scene where they just fucking drive it was kind of crazy it, it was loud it's not 15 minutes but it is legitimately five minutes it might be it honestly might be more it might be more minutes. yeah, yeah. Like, i guess he was trying to make it look futuristic because it was different like colors and different sounds going on yeah it was kind of like he a... wasn't really driving so i don't know what yeah i don't really know what the point of having that scene so long is but that my that... friend is self-indulgence <laughs> that would be edited in a heartbeat to like 10 seconds in the film nowadays yeah that was outrageously long i think it's, it's, it's the difference between american cinema and russian cinema yeah. or like or, foreign i guess generally yeah like they're they get a little more leeway to have yeah I mean, this movie was two hours and 40 something minutes yeah so. it doesn't feel that long though because there's five minutes where they just literally drive yeah the camera is just showing you driving yeah so what about what else about the adaptation was straightforward was it loose was it reimagined I think both were pretty loose. Mm -hmm. um, there's some stuff that carries over. Like, all, obviously, everything that happens on Earth is reimagined or introduced in the movies. But I think they keep a lot of the major plot points. Like, all of the... It, it's always a Spartan group on the space station when mm -hmm. Kelvin arrives. Jabarian, who is friends with Kelvin on Earth, or, like, in the past... Mm -hmm always has just committed suicide right he shows up always nobody can explain to him what's going on they're mm -hmm. sort of like you have to experience it mm -hmm. which is weird and they're all in their own rooms they're not like around expecting his arrival yeah no one expects him to be there mm -hmm. and yet he's there uh they all you know him and harry's relationship is always the same mm -hmm. which i kind of want to talk about because i think that's it's sort of interesting mm -hmm. um she always dies at the end. He always wants to save her, wants to live with her, wants mm -hmm. to be with her. Mm -hmm. just, we should say that they're spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, spoiler alert. But um, yeah, and the endings were all generally, they're all different, but they're all generally the same thing happened. Yeah, but I want to talk to you about that because I think mm -hmm. they are. What? Like, the, the purpose, I think, of each of the endings is different. Okay. But, um... 
what, what I do want to talk about first, though, mm-hmm. as we're talking about, like, differences, is the G formations and, like, the explanations for, it's like, the people that visit them, right? They're, oh, okay. It's, all, it's kind of different across the adaptations. So I think in 1972, they say that they're, like, shooting x-rays at the planet. Mm-hmm. And after we shot x-rays at the planet, like, these people, Arrive. whether they were children or, like, a dead wife, show up. And then in 2002, they are just like, yeah, they just are here now. They're just like mirrors that show what your deepest, darkest, like subconscious wants mm-hmm. or like is lacking or what's broken about you. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that one movie is like science. We're right. sciencing these G formations, and the other movie is like, eh, just kind of here. Well, I would disagree with you because I think they basically silenced all the other visitors except for Harry slash Raya. In the 2002 version. None of the other ones were visible to us. Maybe they're auditorily. You could hear them. But we didn't really see maybe a glimpse of one. Like there was a small person in the in the, two, in the 72 version. That came up, popped out of the door real quick. And you threw him back in. Yeah. And then you got a glimpse of uh, one of um, Dr. S- Dr. Snout's visitor. Who was basically in a, in a hammock. Sleeping. Uh, but, in the, but you really only see Harry... In all of them. Yeah, that's true. I think in the book... It's that's really the focus. In the book, there is another one, like a... Yeah, so they called it a, 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 a large negress, which I, I guess is just a, a term for a big like black yeah, woman, I yeah. think. Yeah, I think this is like 1961. Up. Yeah, language. so excuse any... Like, I don't want to offend anyone, but that was what they, that's what they called it in the book. Um, and I guess she was kind of floating around uh, the book, but she wasn't in... Yeah, you're, you're right. They're all like alluded to. Yeah, right. So, so Harry's the one that's the main focus um, throughout. But I was, I wanted to see the other ones. I was curious as to what secrets the other characters were holding behind, um, and I thought that was an area that could use exploration. Um, not that we were totally connected to the characters, but it was just been interesting to give us more perspective on who are these visitors, what's in common with all these visitors. Yeah. Um, essentially, I, I think they're all essentially like secrets, essentially, um, because the other, especially the other visitors, everyone's kind of ashamed, right, of their visitor. They don't want other people to see them, um, except for Harry, um, for Chris Calvin's visitor, um, who he, you know, is basically not ashamed at all. He's just letting her walk around and sit in on meetings with yeah. Viola Davis and in the library in the 72 film. She's just like there and they're talking about everything. Yeah. But the other ones get no no screen time at all. And I thought that was an interesting choice. It's like, well, you could definitely explore the relationships of those characters a bit more and kind of find out, okay, what is the connection between all these visitors? Is, is there a connection? Yeah. Or are they meant to contrast like Chris and Harry's relationship against the other relationships where like you know the other two scientists shove them off into a room Mm -hmm. like they close the door and there's just a bunch of banging or whatever and it's like oh this person wants to get out because i I think in the book they do a good job of building suspense like what is happening like what the fuck is going on right but then in all the versions you're right she's just like there and it's fine and And she's hanging nothing is weird about it yeah like when she first shows up they like make out i think in every version yeah yeah she just like rolls over on him and they just start like making out yeah at first they're both like kind of scared but then like oh okay like i know you yeah it's like no dude this is a manifestation of your yeah subconscious essentially yeah 
but I think, yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. So I, maybe maybe it's a difference. Maybe it's not. If it's, if it's meant to be like Chris is more in touch with his emotions, mm-hmm. so that's how we're developing his character versus these people who are just like totally out of it. But like it, it seemed it seems so dangerous at first when you're first introduced to the ship and like what's happening. Yeah. You don't know. And then it's so benign. Yeah, I mean, you basically are expecting, at least I was expecting somebody to like come out and like attack him. Right. I will say one of the one of the things I hated about the two thousand two version was uh Gabarian sends a message to Chris Calvin, right? He's like, Hey, I need you to come. He talks to the two guys that show up and shout out John Cho. Yeah. He's one of the guys. Yeah. Um He's basically like, we sent a security force, and we don't know what happened to them. It's like, okay, so now you're sending George Clooney? Like, how are you not going to send... George Clooney? (laughs) He's just a psychologist. Like, you're not going to send another security force? Yeah. Like, Clooney's basically going in there, being like, this could potentially be a war zone. People are missing. People have died. And you're sending the psychologist, like, yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. After a security force disappeared, which is just like, Sorry. This is how they lose an hour of 15 from the two versions. Like, oh. I think Soderbergh does nothing to explain yeah. what is happening. Right. And it, it just didn't make any sense. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, we have this, like, space station, and it's out on, like, Pluto, but yeah. uh, you're a psychologist, right? Right, right. Yeah, so, yeah you'll be good. But, we're not going to track you or anything. We're not going to... Yeah. We're not going to ask you any questions. You're just going to figure it out. Yeah. Good luck. It reminds me of the, the, like, drunk Ben Affleck commentary on Armageddon. Oh. Where it's, like... Uh, what do you mean? Like, couldn't they have just trained astronauts to drill holes? I'm like, no, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I still haven't watched that. I've heard that's very funny. Yeah. So, I mean, we're just picking up a psychologist that, that one of the guys on the ship knows. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But I will say uh, what was consistent across the three stories was that he tried to kill the first one. The first manifestation. Yeah. He sends her into a rocket ship, essentially, and just blasts her out to, to yeah. space. So I guess she doesn't. Maybe she dies, but she doesn't die immediately. So the second manifestation comes back within the next day, I think, for all of, for all of the stories. Um, and they're kind of different, I think. The her, Harry's across the movie and oh, books, yeah. right? Like um, in O2, yeah. she has memories, I think. Mm-hmm. Like she can remember the past. And she like, remembers that she killed herself. She remembers that George Clooney not forced her but like left her and it cost her to do that you're talking about 02 or 72? 02 02 yeah, yeah. I, th- I feel like in 72? 72 she had memories too i think did she yeah she's able to form some that was what she so the second one was, was becoming more and more human as time went on and she was beginning to realize what she was and that she wasn't human but she was becoming more human because she was becoming more emotional more connected to chris calvin's character um and then eventually realized what she was even doing to him which was basically like, uh, like deterring him from anything. His mission. He was. Right. She, was she was basically like forcing him to stay on the station because he was in love with her and didn't want to leave her, and she realized that and then killed herself. Tried to kill herself again by drinking yeah. the liquid oxygen. Yeah, I still have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any possibility in adaptation of this that? She doesn't kill herself in the end. Yeah, definitely. I would. I mean, I would almost prefer them to like go to Solaris together. Him just accept it. Be like, 
I don't, there's nothing for me back on Earth. I'm just going to stay with, with her and live on Solaris. And she, you know, they just figure it out. Which is kind of, like, essentially what happens at the end of the O2 version. Which doesn't really make sense, but um, definitely not the 72 version. The 72 version was, was definitely way different um, in that respect. But the book, he she also died, right? And yeah. he and he he went to Solaris. The book but is yeah. more like a like a case study, not a case study. It's like his, it's like his deposition. You're like reading his deposition. Yeah. From his time on Solaris. Yeah. But I, w- I would definitely see. A, I think it definitely brings more drama into uh, the film. But I feel like it's almost unnecessary. It's like added. It's like extra baggage. It doesn't really need to be there. Like they could basically just either figure it out or leave. You know, leave. Go back to Earth. With this like alien, I mean that's been done before, right? That's. I know they, they talk about it in the book that maybe she needs to be near her like power source to survive. So if she went uh, to Earth, it might be too far. That's true. Who I mean, who knows? Yeah. They, you don't really learn enough about them to say either way. Well, same question to you then. What do you think? So I have a thought here, Uh-oh. which is, if we're talking about like the unknowability or like knowledge that you can have or can't have of somebody. And she's a manifestation of George Clooney's subconscious. Mm-hmm. All she can ever do is kill herself. Because that's the only thing that she's ever done. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. It always ends the same. Yeah. He's only ever not... known her as like a suicide or a yeah, suicidal woman. Sort of suicidal person. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like repeating the same cycle over and over again. Like yeah. you can't get out of it. Yeah, I think and he can't. He can't think beyond that. Yeah, except for in the two thousand two movie version, well, which yeah. is a little bit different. But yeah, no, I think you're right. Actually, now that I think about that, I think I think the endless cycle of of suicide for her, especially from his mind, because that's the only way that he knows her. If that makes sense. Yeah, because I think your like memories of somebody. I guess memory is a weird thing because memory can be wrong, mm-hmm. but like your you my view of you is gonna be unique to me, and it's yeah. it's always gonna be like complete in a right. certain way. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think that's interesting. Uh, you probably he probably could not escape that part of his past. Um, Although he wants to, I think that's the point. Yeah, you know, he's trying to like escape it, but he can't, and that's like the the tragedy of right. K R I S Kelvin, K R S, not not Chris with a C, <laughs> like they do in the Soderbergh movie. Um, just a disgraceful, disgraceful. Just he, keep it K R I S. What are you talking about? Chris Kelvin in Soderbergh movie is C H R I S. Is it? Yeah. And every. How did you find that out? Was it? It's on the um, Yeah, it's like in the uh, credits. Is it really? Like, I, I get if you're gonna change like snow. What's that Americanized? Just snow. Just snow yeah. Okay, that's a different name. Yeah. You're just changing the spelling of Chris. You know what that's called? It's called self indulgence. I think that is. Yeah. It's not like his name is written out anywhere. They he just chose thought... to call him C H R I S. You know what'd be genius? For no reason. Is if I change his name from K R I S to C H R I S. Oh my God, Stephen, that'd be great. Maybe it was like the simple as like James Cameron being like, I don't see him as like a KRIS Chris. You, this is like a CHRIS. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. He acts like a CHRIS Chris. Yeah. Um, 
So what else do we want to talk about? I wanted to, I wanted to get into some themes. Let's do it. Want to do it? So obviously suicide um, and death is a huge theme. And there are so many people who commit suicide in this film. Uh, and it, throughout the, all the stories, actually. Um, and I was just want to get your thoughts on that. Is that sort of like a... Is that necessary to the story? Is it a little grotesque? Is it... Um, like, what are your thoughts on it? Would, it, would there be... Is, you know, I, does it make sense to you? Does it does it stick out to you as something that's different? Or, I guess there is a lot of suicide. Rude? Yeah, I mean, there's there's Harry a couple times. There's... Jabarian. Um, Jabarian. Jabarian, whatever. And then there's the, the pilot in the story... In the, in the book, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Who kills himself. Um, and basically almost everyone who comes into contact with. That, that's a good question. I, I, suicide maybe is just like the only way to die when you're like in there. Like, no one's going to kill you, yeah. But probably that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I guess the G formations could kill you. Mm-hmm. Um, but they seem not to want to do that, except for in one specific case in the O2 movie. Mm-hmm. I think I think death generally though is big, right? It's it's yeah. like the O2 movie especially is very interested in like power over death, having power over death. Because the, the ending is sort of like we're post death now. We just oh, live together forever. Yeah. We don't have to worry about life and death. Yeah, it doesn't concern us. We're just like together now. Yeah, and in the in the suicides were very specific. They were like not a general depression. They were basically. Uh, there's the specific depression based on love. Or love, yeah. 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 And I will say, like, it is a bit of a stretch for me. I mean, I think I think most people probably wouldn't just kill themselves if their their partner left them. But obviously that probably happens. So I, I just thought it was, like, a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Do we know why Jabarian? I can't say his name. Jabarian, yeah. Jabarian. So, no, that's not explained in the O2 version. Because his son is there. No two version. We don't know yeah. who, we don't know who the part the uh, visitor was in the seventy two version. So we actually have no idea why he killed himself. But it is interesting that everyone. Side note, did you like um, how in the O two version, uh, I forgot the actor's name, but the guy in Lost, his character Jeremy Snow, Davies. Yeah, Jeremy Davies. He his so he was basically a manifestation when we are introduced to him. So he killed the real one. Yeah. So that's a different twist on yeah. the story and then the and then the 72 version what did you think about that i i didn't like it yeah i thought that was like so my note for most of the movie was like this guy is a terrible actor and then it was revealed that he was actually just like a manifestation yeah and i was like so now he's a great actor i thought he was actually really good yeah well that changed it for me <laughs> jeremy davies big in the early aughts that's true saving Private ryan yeah Lost. Lost. That was, that, that was then slavery. he just... Yeah, plateau. Actually, he was in Justified, I saw. He was a recurring... Yeah, he is in Justified. He's a working, working actor, baby. He's good Steady justified. working. That, um, yeah, that aspect of the, of the O2 film kind of threw me off. I was like, why are they throwing this like weird thing in there? But it's like, why would you have a manif- manif- manifestation of yourself? It's supposed to be of your past, right? So, he mentions... I was going to bring this up. Mm-hmm. He mentions early on when he talks to Clooney about it he's like who did you see like oh my my wife and he's like oh i saw my brother so I, so is that a lie or is, does he have like a twin it doesn't um, ultimately it doesn't matter they don't yeah. care about that and there's no reason for him to have killed the real J- 
Jeremy Davies because nothing happens. It's revealed at the very end of the movie, and they're already like on their way out. Right. Like, oh, by the way, I I killed my real person, and uh, we use all the fuel cells, and uh, we're being pulled into Solaris's orbit. Yeah. So it kind of didn't really make sense. Yeah. It didn't fit with the story. Yeah. I, maybe you do that if you were trying to make a thriller version of it. Mm-hmm. That was just sort of thrown in there. Yeah, we can be violent. Right. But okay, show me that in like minute twenty-five, not minute eighty-five. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, because yeah. it doesn't do anything. Well, that's part of the suspense, baby. They remember the blood on the on the ceiling that was dripping down. But it's, it's like a mystery. You gotta f- you know follow the clues. That's not a. I don't know. It's not a reveal to me because there's no there's nothing behind it. Yeah, like, oh, no actually, he was dead the whole time. Sorry. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. The Canadian sorry. <laughs> okay, so another theme I wanted to talk about was um, water. Um, obviously, water is like prominent throughout. It's it's the opening shots of both films. is The, the 72 film is him looking at a lake. The first first yeah. shot is literally within, it's looking at algae, I think it is, and yeah. water, or leaves. And then the uh, two film is uh it's Clooney, but it's a rainy day you can tell it's raining outside you can kind of hear it um and it's present throughout the film and then obviously the solaris is basically it's described in the book as a giant ocean and i think that's mm-hmm. kind of how they're describing in other films as well um so like what are your, what are your thoughts on like having water as essentially like this lifeblood to to the themes of the film and the, and the story in general i think you're exactly right i think like water is life and it's like the most it's like elemental Right? right, like water, fire, wind, mm-hmm. dirt, whatever. Water is life. It's like all surrounding. Yeah, so I think that that's like a good thing to pick up on, right? Like water creates life and gives forth to to life, and without it, there is no life. Right. And maybe it's like a bit of a taunt to say like this whole planet is just just water. water. Yeah. Talk to us, bitch. <laughs> it's like well, I can't. That I would be so to. attractive. As like imagine if like. A NASA scientist found a planet that's just water. It's like, oh my god. Yeah, because their it's assumption them in. is obviously that it's alive and is sentient, or doing whatever. something. Yeah, and it clearly is communicating with them because yeah. it's like showing them their subconscious yeah. manifested in people. Should we not trust water anymore? I only drink beer. To be honest, I, with I agree. Yeah, cheers to that. <laughs> Save water, drink beer. <laughs> And then another thing I want to talk about, obviously, well, I guess two more things. Mirrors, right? There's a famous quote um, in the O2 film. It's, we don't want other worlds. We want mirrors. Mm -hmm. And then the 72, it's, um, oh my God, where is it? We don't need other worlds. We need mirrors. So it's a bit different. Basically the same thing. Um, and there's a one scene where um, Chris in the 72 film is at the end, basically. He's, like, very sick, and he's in this room full of mirrors. And it's, like, all of his past is coming out um, with his mother is there, Harry is there, that the dog is in the room. This is on the station. Yeah, I forgot about the Remember dog. That? Yeah. Um, that was an interesting scene because it starts, it pans, like, on a bunch of mirrors. So you see, like, all these reflections of... Uh, of uh, Chris Calvin, and then it kind of pans up, and you see all these different characters in his room. I thought that was interesting, but mirrors in general kind of have this um, this theme in the in the story throughout all the stories, where it's like, you know, as humans, we're not interested in other things; we're interested in finding ourselves in other things, right. essentially, right? 
What, yeah. are, your, what are your thoughts on it? I, I totally agree with that. I think um, as like the passage we read to start the episode, it's it's very consistent with the 72 version mm-hmm. where they are looking for, I think it's at a different scale, right? Like they're looking for a mirror to show us humanity's primitive past. So mm-hmm. I want to find another world to see like the early tendrils of life. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the O2 movie version, they are talking about mirrors as like a reflection of our mind. Right. And that mirror shows the planet what they can like take Manipulate, right. Yeah. So I think it's a, it's a very like self-centered sort of like solipsistic version of life mm-hmm. where like a person a human humanity is like the be all end all and we want to we want that to be true of everything right yeah we we can't basically fathom anything outside of that yeah it's or a narcissism it's, yeah that's true absolutely yeah. yeah um like what's the purpose of a mirror the mirror is to make sure that you look presentable yeah. Or dope. You would... Or fucking sick. Yeah, all those things. <laughs> I think people... Yeah. No, yeah. I think we, I think we cover that. Yeah. Um, um, I, think it, I think it's a good... I think, I think it's a really smart metaphor. Yeah. No, I agree. And then um, I did want to talk about the endings with you. Yeah. Um, I've already talked about them with someone else, actually. So. <laughs> oh, shit. God damn it. Good. He's on another podcast. So it's the, the Lens to Lit podcast. You can find us on the their phony. Don't don't follow. Yeah, don't download their their episode. But I thought I really want to talk about the ending in the seventy two, yeah. which I thought when I first saw it I was like, what the fuck is going on? So he basically he's in this his room on Solaris. He's talking about maybe just living there forever, but maybe he'll go back. He's like discussing it with Snout. And then they flash uh, forward, I guess, or whatever. They, they cut to uh, him at the lake. Yeah. His previous home. Like, okay, so he's back on Earth. So he's walking around, goes back up to the house, and he's looking inside the house, and you see within the frame, there's water, like, leaking from yeah. above, yeah. right? You're like, what the fuck's going on? And he's just, like, looking in the mirror. And then eventually we cut back, to, cut to inside the house, and we see his father, messing with something on the table i can't remember what he's doing just getting dumped on getting dumped on by the water and yeah. we're like i'm like what the fuck's going on? he's he's not he's just not uh he's getting dumped on by the water and he's not even like doesn't bother him he doesn't bother him at all yeah. it's just continue with his day so then he and then he they see each other and then they have this moment where they're both staring at each other and then the father comes out of the door and um chris walks up to him and basically drops to his knees and wraps his arm around him uh, wraps his arm around him like a hug, but but like kind of like around his hips, right? Mm-hmm. Like a child. Yeah. And well, I forgiveness. Yeah, essentially. But I just thought that was very odd. I mean, why can't he just hug him, right? Why can't he just like hug him like a normal person and whatever, shake hands? Yeah. Um, and then we pan out and we realize that it's he's basically on this island on Solaris. It's basically it's his manifestation of like his past Home. so he decided to stay essentially yeah um and i wanted to say before that before we get into uh that all that scene happens 
he's talking about snout and he's there's a zoom onto Chris's ear. Do you remember this? Where he's just slowly zooming in while Chris is talking into his ear. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I thought more, I was like, well, maybe it's into his like subconscious. Maybe that's the ear canal is like the route to, you know, his brain or whatever, into, into his, his, his dreams or whatever. It's sort of like Uncut Gems where they start in his like bowels. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, but. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know, what did you, what did you think about that ending um, compared to the others? It was the ending that was least clear, mm-hmm. like least literal. I think it's probably the, the right way to say that. Um, to me, I had... So, I, I, I finished that movie, and I was like, what did I just watch? Right. Because um, it's very different than the, than the book, obviously. He just lands on the planet, and it's just like a, his case file. Like, okay, I land on the planet, I touched the ocean, shit was great. Yeah, that's and it. it like, cut. Yeah. Okay. Um, this version... He's living there, and he's probably always going to live there, and he'll probably never know. Right. So I, I was like, what the hell? And the more I thought about it, the more I've landed on this idea of mirrors mm. and mirroring, like extrapolating that concept and talking about reality mm. and how the planet might have used its intelligence to mirror like chris's reality Mm -hmm. so it's i don't know this is like falling apart but no it's like a mirror for reality yeah and never know what's real or what's not real it's it's impossible for him to know because it's all to him accurate right but that doesn't mean it's real but it's 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 mirrored of what he thought once he left the planet was true yeah so he basically thinks he's still on Earth. Yeah. Essentially. And it's I, it's a trick, right? Yeah. It's just the planet Learn him in. playing tricks. At first I thought, this is a dream. Because I go into his ear, I'm like, okay, what the fuck is that? Like they're going into his mind. And then you get the the water leaking. And like that kind of reminded me of like in dreams, you have th- you're in the dream, but everything kind of makes sense as you're in it, right? Yeah. So it's the inception quote. It's like you're, you only realize something was strange when you wake up. Yeah. And when you're watching it, you're obviously like sober and you're awake and you're looking at this like, why the hell is the water leaking? So I think that I thought that part was like maybe it's a dream because this water's leaking and stuff. But I, but I think you're right. I think it's just a manifestation um, of what he thought back on Earth, his past on Earth, and that it wasn't a perfect manifestation, right? Because there were things with Harry and other characters that were not exactly the same yeah as the previous or the original um but yeah so it's like a flaw in the in mirror the, exactly right it's exactly. not it's a spot that there's a, there's out. literally a hole in the ceiling that's <laughs> pouring water i thought that was really interesting though. I, I watched it and i was like what the fuck happened i had to like rewatch it and like think about it and then like watch youtube videos like like what the fuck happened it was more it was it's definitely more satisfying than definitely than the book i think to sure. me more satisfying than the book Way more satisfying than the O2 movie. Yeah. So the O2 movie, he he stays on the ship that's basically crashing. But it's like a it's, I I hate it. It was like a, a fake. It was like a fake out. They faked you out. What do you mean? Like they were like, so Jeremy Davies is all like, oh yeah, we're floating through Solaris. You guys gotta go take the ship. Right. And then they cut to Viola Davis. 
Shout out Viola Davis, who's in this movie. I don't mean really talk yeah, about her. Yeah, shout out Viola. Young Viola Davis. And Clooney running to this like, escape pod. And we're like, oh, there's one in the escape pod. Cut to Earth. And Clooney's just like cutting cucumbers again. Well, no, he, I can't remember exactly what happened, but he was basically lying down. At the, he was like reaching out for the kid's arm. Was that before? I thought that was That was after. before the cucumber. Or, oh, shoot, it might have no, been No, I think it was after. You're right, it was So it, he, it's like him about to walk onto the ship, and then it just cuts to Earth. Yeah. And then, it, like, oh. and then he cuts himself while he's cutting cucumbers again, because he's a terrible fucking... <laughs> two for two. Bad at night. cutting himself. Yeah. Uh, and then his cut heals, which happens to the form- G-formations, what manifestations, yeah, yeah. when they get injured, they yeah. regenerate. And so it's like, oh my god. Yeah. I'm a, he's not real. I'm a manifestation. Yeah. And then it cuts back to him being like, no, nah, I'm not going on this ship. And then he finds Jabari and son. Yeah, yeah. And they have a moment. So it doesn't really make sense because he's not real anymore. He, he is a manifestation, right? Because he's, 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 he is of Solaris. Yeah. He but gets pulled into he, the... But so that means, like, I don't know. Under, that doesn't really make sense though, right? Because like, if, if he were to crash on Solaris, he would still be a human, right? Essentially. Unless, unless you're biology changes if you're on solaris yeah like is it is it just the planet projecting his subconscious and her subconscious i don't maybe know. he's drifting in space and he's just like is asleep and he's having these like manifestations i have no idea maybe we talked about earlier like part of the book that's important or part of the o2 movie they talk about this dylan thomas poem and death shall have no dominion and so that movie is very focused on like being post-death mm-hmm. being over death or having control over death right and at the end they ultimately together it's a love story baby die. yeah so that's romantic right yeah. they're they're both just like projections together forever it's great who's real who's not real who knows <laughs> so they can still like do the nasty out. which is all that really that's, that's all we really do. care about right yeah um okay so i think we've we covered a lot. This we was a, a this was a, we're definitely over time. <laughs> understandably. This was a, this <laughs> was okay. a, this, is good this was um I think overall a a I'm trying to think of the right word. It's it's like not as a as a read. Mm-hmm. It's it, not a great it's, read. It's a challenging read. Yeah, even though it's only 200 pages. Yeah. I think the the Russian 1972 version is a challenging watch. Mm-hmm. Or not challenge. It's like it's very idea driven. Yeah. It's com. It's complex. Yeah, but it's 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 not like boring. I would say. No. Yeah. And then I think the O two movie version. I told you this off. Mike is like very American. Where it's like. Yeah. We need to give him a purpose. We need to give, like him some things to say, mm-hmm. and like we gotta get the Clooney like movie star. Yeah. It just, it just felt very American. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Plus, it's ninety minutes, not two and a half hours. Yeah. Can't do that in America. Well, unless you're Martin Scorsese and you're making movies for Netflix, then you can do whatever the hell you want. My point was, we had to go over because, you know, we watched two movies and yeah, read I mean, that's a true. long, complicated <laughs> book. We even get to, there were some other things I want to talk about. The whole, like, children aspect. Yeah. That's just like, that's a whole other rabbit it's hole. It's a supplemental that's a Yeah, that's part two. Yeah. Um, so, before we close out. Winners and losers. Yes. Right? Who won the movie? Who won the 72 film? Oh, man. Uh, do you have an answer? You go first. Um, I would probably say Harry, the her character or the, her, that actress, because um, I thought she was really good, and, and I imagine her film 
career like either was blossoming or was about to blossom after that. I didn't look her up, but I would say the other the other people were like okay. Yeah. Um, the guy, the snout guy, I thought he was really good. Oh, snout was good. Yeah. All of, all, I think all the people in that movie were really good. Yeah. Um, I, my winner is going to be the dog for just surviving in oh, space. Oh man. Yeah. Like that's incredible stuff. <laughs> Number one, right? No, there. no air. Just that's a, a great dog. How about the two thousand two? Oh two. Oh two. My winner is people that want to see George Clooney naked and in shape. He's not full. I mean, he is full not, naked. Yeah. Do you remember what he was eating in that scene? No. <laughs> it's ramen. But the oh, ramen, yeah. The ramen was just soft and it, it has no noodles. liquid. Yeah. yeah. It was just like a bowl of, but like a big bowl of noodles. Yeah. It was a more distracting bowl, than his ass. Bowl of noodles. Yeah. That's right. Well, not to me. I forgot <laughs> what it was. What it was for that movie, I mean, it's got to be Natasha McElhone for me. I mean, she went on to star in Californication show david duchovny she probably didn't really win that because she didn't really make it in movies after that i thought they were pretty good together they were yeah um i sent you a snapchat today that was like oh no how'd they let her guard clooney one-on-one <laughs> and uh it wasn't like flirty clooney it wasn't peak flirty clooney yeah it wasn't weirdly enough like she was doing a lot of the flirting he yeah. was kind of like subdued yeah which I thought was an interesting choice. Because I thought she was about to get, like, run out of the gym. And, no. <laughs> no. She, like... Brought her A-game. Yeah. Whether that's the writing or... Yeah, it's not that. Uh, who knows. Yeah. Because um, we've seen Pete Clooney flirt, and it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. For anybody. Absolutely. Involved, for men and women. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do losers. Let's do losers. Yeah. Who's your loser? My loser... For 72. I have a... My loser for 72 is the human race. Just a big, big owl. Yeah, that's you, fair enough. You tried, you failed to learn about the planet. Yeah. Let's just get it you, up. You, you just, Come you, on, now. Destroying yourself in the process. <laughs> My loser in O2 is uh, George Clooney's knife skills. Oh, man. Just, I mean. He's I, awful. You cut yourself twice the same way. Cutting the same vegetable. Yeah. Cucumbers, man. That's a that's They're dangerous. It's a big L. So my uh, my loser for the um, seventy two film. <sighs> Who should lose this one? I have no idea. I didn't. Cleaning crews. That was a disgusting show. <laughs> it was I was gross. Um, I'm gonna say the small person that was uh only had about half a second of screen time and was thrust back into. Because, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Yeah. Or even the person in the hammock. Maybe just generally, like, other Tertiary characters. Yeah. Yeah. They're losers. And then O2. Um, Jeremy Davies. Jeremy Davies, man. Like, tough. He got killed by his manifestation. And he, get more, he didn't really get any more movies after this. Yeah. He was hot fire, in my opinion. Yeah, no. Jeremy Davies. That's a, a big L. Big L, dude. You can't spell, I guess you can't spell Jeremy Davies because I don't know. But, but you, you should, though. You should. <laughs> the L is silent. You should. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite quote? I don't, I don't think so. There's no, to me, like, when I think about the book, I, it's not about the dialogue. I don't know. The dialogue There's not much dialogue. Like, like, stand out to me. There's no dialogue in the movies. Mm-hmm. I think, like, the thing that, I don't know. You know, like, am I going to forget this movie? 
in a couple of months. Probably not, but like, there's no scenes that really stand out to me. Really? I don't think. In the which one? Both of them? In the O2 movie, definitely not. Mm-hmm. In the 72 version. Yeah, pro- probably. Mm-hmm. It's very slow. It is very slow. I think I think the I think my favorite part of that movie was definitely when for whatever reason they decided there was going to be no um, gravity and they were just like floating around for like 2 minutes. That was it weird. made no sense and yeah. it was in the book. They didn't explain it. They're just like, "Oh yeah, at 5 a.m. there's going to be 30 seconds of weightlessness." It was it was like Why? a self-indulgent flex by the director. Yes. <laughs> Hey, I have this sick technique. We're gonna do it. Just say this one line. We're not gonna explain it. Yeah, essentially what he did. Yeah, that was a that was a cool scene. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So that's that's what I'll remember. Okay. Even though that's not that's not like Solaris, but yeah. My favorite quote is I'm sure you'll agree is We don't need other worlds. We need mirrors. I think that is something that I will like probably say at parties and probably get like kicked out of for being. He's like, Will, do you want a beer? I don't need other beers. I need mirrors. Wow, dude, you're super self-indulgent right now. <laughs> only, remember, what's that ASAP Rocky quote? Only thing bigger than my ego is my mirror. Wow. Sorry. You think he watched Solaris and was like... <laughs> Probably. He's a notorious, so. though. And then I think the what's going to stick with me most in the 72 version are just like these the weird the weird ending for sure. The leaking, yeah. that, that like was Collab. so odd. And then the, the zoom in on his ear, I was like, what the fuck is going on? And then the, the long driving scene was like outrageous. Um, no two version, I, 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 yeah, like I, there's nothing that really sticks out um, that, that is like super memorable to me. It's um, very like fine. Yeah, there wasn't. Okay, movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lack of Clooney charisma? Yeah. I mean, the charisma was all in Natasha, Natasha Michaels' yeah. character. I believe them together for sure. But for sure, yeah. It wasn't like a, a Danny Ocean Clooney. Yeah, definitely you know? not. Probably should have been. Um, okay, what's better? What's the best of the three? Which is your favorite? I. Not O two. I think that's the bottom. Mm-hmm. So that's the bottom. It's not. We should say it's not a terrible film. No, but of the of the three. Yeah. I think if you're, it's it's just different. I think if I think if I hadn't read the book, I probably would have liked O two better. Mm. Um, but as it is, I, my favorite thing I consumed of the three was the seventy two movie. Yeah, you agree? I agree. Seventy two was by far the best. I think. Yeah, I think I, I switched the last two. The book is was so difficult for me to get through, even for two hundred pages. I mean, I was like constantly running to the dictionary yeah <laughs> and it was just like it's like this is ridiculous yeah i shouldn't have to put that much effort into reading a story like yeah it's, it's definitely something i need to read again or i know lem is kind of a famous writer with other stuff mm-hmm. maybe like try something else out yeah maybe yeah but i didn't hate the o2 film I, I i enjoyed it i was confused by it the first time i saw it especially at the end but watching it again, it's like, oh, okay. But then you find holes. It's like, okay, this, this, and that. The 72 film gave you enough information where you kind of had to, like, figure out things for yourself. And that was kind of cool and interesting to sort of, like, think more about it and be like, oh, he's meant, he's trying to, like, say this. Yeah. As opposed to O two, it was like, 
why is he saying this? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then in the book, it's like, why are we talking about the historical? This is like too much. Yeah. So that was my, um, those are my thoughts about it. So before we get out of here, and we're way over time, we're at 47 <laughs> just <laughs> for this section. <laughs> but um, Eric, do you have any recommendations? Thank you for asking, Will. I do. Um, one of the first country songs I listened to, and I, I'm a pretty big country fan these days, mm-hmm. was Kenny Rogers' The Gambler. Mm-hmm. You, I don't know. You probably don't know Not familiar. a lot of uh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers big in the 80s, 70s, late 70s, 80s, early 90s. Uh-huh. Um, country singer, big white beard, song called The Gambler. You may have heard it. It's, it it's sounds kind of familiar. It's, it's like his biggest today song i think if you think of kenny rogers you think of the gambler okay um he died on friday march 20th oh i did hear about this so i've been doing a lot of kenny rogers deep dive nostalgia yeah fair enough um he's he's got a kind of crazy catalog of songs they're like very different they go from like very country to very like 80s power ballads oh really everything in between um i saw a tweet that was basically like Kenny Rogers is like the horniest singer that they've ever heard. It's like, is it all about sex? Very much like sex. Oh, um, if you want to, if you want to know what I'm talking about, you should listen to the song "Morning Desire" by Kenny Rogers. Oh my God! It's I uh, can only imagine what that's it's, about. It's horny, <laughs> for sure. It's sort of like the the Miguel of country music. Oh wow! Like okay. The eight, 80s Miguel. Jesus. So, was he was he like a, obviously it was a ladies' man? I imagine. Good looking guy. Yeah. Got a guitar, so yeah. He he did a couple of duets with Dolly Parton. You might oh, have heard of man. Islands in the Stream. Maybe. Um. That's his. That's the, that's his like other big song. So mm-hmm. music of Kenny Rogers is something that I recommend. Okay. This episode. I think that's fair enough. Um, for me, I would recommend um this beer, that you so kindly let me let me sip on. It's called. Cloud 29 or Two Cloud 9? Two really Cloud sure. 9. Two Cloud 9 by Settle Down Easy Brewing Company from Falls Church, Virginia. So yeah. check them out. It's pretty good. It's a New England hazy IPA. I also want to recommend um, people wash your hands. Yeah. And social distance in this time of need during the coronavirus, COVID-19, um, as the kids are calling it. But stay safe out there, kids. Um, we're thinking about you. We hope you're thinking about us. Um, and we, then we'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. Okay. Next but month we're doing a, a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Yes. Most deaf and uh, what's the other guy's name? Wally. No. Most deaf. Is Most deaf in that movie? Yeah, he's the yeah, uh, he's one of the characters. Who's the main guy? It's, I have no uh, idea. He's in the, the 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 Hobbit. Martin Freeman. He's, yeah, he's in it. Oh. He's deaf American. I know nothing about this movie. Oh, well, now so you do. We'll see. <laughs> but um, before we leave, we want to shout out. Um, our most favorite listener, our most favorite topic of discussion, really. Um, would you like to say his name? I would not. <laughs> his name is Shia. Shia LaBeouf. We're thinking about you. We miss you. Come on the podcast. My other recommendation is going to be to go watch Honey Boy on Amazon yeah, Prime. Fair enough. I actually still haven't seen it yet. i got to watch it. That's disgraceful. All right. Bye See you guys next time. Just one.